You know, a lot of people get twisted up in scriptures. Barbara and I were talking about this on the way here. I said, guys, if, if the Bible is bumming you out, does that Bible ever bum you out? I see people getting into the word more. I'm getting into the word more. Like, wow, I'm growing, like growing miserably. Um, Jesus is the correct interpretation of every scripture. Every scripture has to bow to Jesus. So if you're reading something and it, it puts fear or torment or anything in there, it's not correct interpretation, guys. It's not. That's why the woman, the, the most beautiful picture to me are the prodigal son and the, the woman caught in the act of adultery because how did Jesus react to them? Or the father? Pure grace, didn't he? Pure grace. And so the Bible said we should kill this woman, but then they turned to the true word of God that made flesh. And what did Jesus say? You guys got the wrong interpretation of the Bible. I say, I didn't come to accuse her, I came to save her. God's not in the judgment business, guys. He's in the saving business. Amen? And so anyway, you guys get it? Okay, so the beautiful gospel of the early church. Let's just hit that first slide. Um, All right, so... Like I said, I'm, just, I'm gonna, oh, if you want some good sources too, I know Stephen Melton's been into this. Is, there's one that you can go look up Dr. Bruce Wacope, and I'll spell it for you, and all you guys, otherwise it'll be online too. It's W-A-U, W-A-U, W-A-U-C-H-O-P-E. Dr. Bruce Wacope. He does a, a YouTube series that I think you'd really find uh, uh, enlightening. Um, uh, you can obviously go to uh, Dr. Baxter Kruger. Like I said, I was just with him. He's my favorite theologian that's alive. Um, and, uh, oh, anybody from Mississippi? First time I've ever been to Mississippi. That was fun. I had Eggs Benedict with crawdads and shrimp on it. Yowza. Wow. It was just, man, that was like, it was heavenly. That's a good word for it. I was like, do you eat this? I go, I do now. It's good stuff. So, uh, yeah, well, no, it's, I like all that stuff. I, I, I love all that stuff. It was just fun, man. It was just fun. It was just, uh, um, I, they just make me laugh. You know, because was, he was telling me the story. This lady was saying, Wawood. I'm like, Wawood? What, what's Wawood? And she was saying, Ward. W A R D. Ward. Wawood. Like, wow. <laughs> That's, that, I know you're speaking English, but what is that, right? So anyway, uh, so Dr. Bruce Wacope, Baxter Kruger, um, uh, Francois Dutrois. You know what, just, you, you can find all this information. Um, there's, another, uh, there's another quick little article that I think you, you could find. I gave it to some of you guys. It's, it's um, How Eternal Torment Came Into the Church. And it's on a website called Brazen Church. And what I'm trying to get you to do, guys, is I don't agree with everything on every site. Like most of you guys probably don't agree with everything I'm saying either. And, and that's okay. It's really okay. Because God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, and all of you are going to know me from the least to the greatest. <clears throat> and I'm going to teach you. That's what he said. So anyway, you know, the fivefold ministry really is just to, to in my opinion, share with you what you already know here to confirm it. And so that you raised up to a full stature of Christ so you can go serve in ministry. And that doesn't mean here. That means in your jobs, your careers, professions. Go love and serve people. That's it. So you guys get that? So the, the goal, what's the goal of the ministry? The goal of the ministry is you. It's the body of Christ. It should be the goal of every ministry. But they have all these goals of people. And I go, I just never have and I don't want to. Um, I didn't sign up for this. So... All right, if you still have a view of God that puts fear in you, you won't have power, love, and a sound mind. He goes, I didn't give you that spirit. I give you a spirit of what? 
Abba, Daddy. So some of you guys maybe didn't have a good dad. I, I didn't really either growing up. So go, go, uh, go find a, a good dad. Like look at somebody and go, man, that's a good dad. That's, that's who he is. That's who he is. And he's 10 times, 100 times better than that dad. So don't get bummed out, guys. You know, I, I read all these books, that depressing Christian books um, that, uh, oh, this thing, and oh, because I didn't have a good childhood. Welcome to the club, man. How many of you guys had the perfect childhood? Get over it, right? Get over it because you got the perfect dad today. I gave you a spirit of daddy. That's what you need to get after, okay? So every, this is just a review. Every scripture bows to Jesus. Um, he is the correct interpretation of all scripture. So when we realize he's always loving, he's always giving, he's always, uh, he's God's exactly like Jesus. If you go read the, the gospels, he's in there. And so we talked about that too, is the new covenant's not conditional. If then, you know, like if you do all these, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, if you stay in this thing day and night, I prefer the new covenant. God gives to the beloved even when you sleep. I don't stay up day and night. I go to sleep. Honestly, I go, Lord, the new covenant's so much better. You give to your beloved even when I sleep. So give it to me while I sleep while all these guys are praying and fasting. Thank you, Jesus. I love it. It's really good. That's the new covenant. It really is. And I just think I'm joyful the, the more I'm into Jesus versus into the word, right? So anyway, because you know what? That's the thing is if we can get that trigger to get all the fear, all the shame, all the guilt, guys, you're perfectly righteous. You're perfectly blessed. You're complete in him. There's nothing for you to do but say thank you. That's it. Amen? You can't fast more. You can't pray more. You can't put flesh down more. He poured out spirit on all flesh is what it said. Amen? He poured it out, the same spirit. Isn't that beautiful? So all we're trying to do is show light on what's already true about you. Does that, does that make sense? And then you're not stressed about it. It's like, I got to get that guy. and None of this stuff. So just know that every promise is yes and amen. So if things aren't working right, is just rest in those promises. And just go, you know what, Lord? Thank you that... A guy like me, a, a lady like me, can just, every promise is still yes and amen. I'm telling you, life starts to flow out of you. You know, financial stresses are taken care of, relationships, everything starts to flow. Those are the ri rivers of living water that he's talking about. Amen? Does that make sense to you guys? All right, so let's just, let's just hit this next slide again. Um, and so I'm going to give you, I'm going to go through some, some things. There's so much to talk about. I, I'm just going to bite off a little bit tonight to just get you going down this road. So... The early church didn't teach separation from God. And I'm going to show you. That's why I got the whiteboard. Um, how many of you guys heard this? That uh, your sin separated you from God. And God's so holy, he can't look upon sin. Right? Well, what a bummer. Because you're in this. Whether you think so or not. Right? And how many of you guys are perfect every day? How can you have an intimate relationship with somebody that turns their back on you and can't look at you? Isn't that weird? And here's how you're going to get closer. You're going to stop eating food and go in a closet. This just sounds like a weird date night for my wife. That's not who he is. That's not who he is. See, when Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree, what happened to them? They, they went over in the bushes, right? And they tried to cover themselves. That's called religion. Tried to do some works. Did God show up and look upon them? Yes, so can God look upon sin? Yes, Jesus looked at the woman caught in the act, right? The woman caught at the well, or at the well, sharing her story. He went to um, Zacchaeus' house, the tax collector. Mary sat at his feet weeping. Sounds like he can look at sin, right? 
And he never changes. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. So that is just false. And it comes from this idea of separation. Well, I'll show you. So the idea of separation came from Greek philosophy, Plato, Aristotle, primarily with Augustine after AD 400. And so this concept of hell, this is what's really interesting too. You go search it out because this is the, and let me just preface this. I'm not here to try stir up stuff, guys. I, I don't have to prove I'm wrong. Barb knows I, or prove I'm right or wrong. I hate Christian apologetics. I hate it. What a waste of time. You know, I'm like, I'm going to get on there and I'll debate anybody that the King James is the right version. I'm like, what a waste of time. You're not going to convince everybody. It's love that never fails. Love on these guys, right? Poor, what do you, anyway. Yeah, you know, they, they're not rejecting God. They, I firmly believe this is, um, the only reason I'm teaching this because I've seen the results. When you can get fear out of people's lives and this concept of, of eternal torment out of their lives, they can sternly, my friend Ray, I don't know, late 60s, 7, I don't know how old he is, but he, you know, like I said, grew up his whole life in church. When I shared that with him, he goes, I feel so free. And he goes, you need to talk to my son because my son doesn't believe in God. Let's see. Everyone believes in God. He's poured out his spirit on all flesh. They just don't believe in the God that you presented. They can't believe in that God. Because here's the thing. Here's what's fascinating. Is it, it, I love talking to the heathens because the heathens are great. It's you Christians I got to get straightened out. So I can't wait for Christians to hear the gospel. Let's, man, it'd be awesome. I, we don't need to go to the 1040 window. We need to start in Colorado Springs. Right? We need to get to the churches and go, let me tell you the gospel. And it starts to free them up. It's fascinating. So, <clears throat> you know what I'm saying, right? Uh, so he's like, I said, here's the interesting thing is that I go, okay, you don't believe in God? No worries. No, man. You know, I'm not going to go, well, then you're going to burn in hell. No, no. If you ask them, hey, tell me, if you, if you could believe in God, what would it look like? And you know what they're going to describe? Jesus Christ. They're going to strive Jesus because he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh and all will know me. And so most of, Christ, most of the people, if they've rejected Jesus or Christianity or whatever version of it, is just they can't, they can't judge that guy who's, un, or they can't trust that guy who's perfect, unconditional love, unconditional love, unconditional love, perfect, forgiving, his, keeps no record of wrong, but the minute your breath stops, oh, now you've got eternal torture. That's weird. Because it says his unconditional love never changes, right? And so you'll start to understand, it, do I, people go, so are universalists? No, because universalist means every track gets you there. Only Jesus Christ gets you there, guys. I'm not that. But, but your concept is, because you think you're a sheep or a goat, and you, you get that one confused, that parable, because <clears throat> it says, you know what, in, in King James it says, hey, the, here's what you gotta understand too. Have you ever seen a good shepherd separate goats and torture them forever? says a good shepherd separated the sheep and the goats. He's a good shepherd, right? And one's going to go into eternal torment, and one's going to go into eternal life. And we'll, next week, we'll talk about that a little more and show you the origins of that, too. Um, it's not what it is. And, and uh, people go, well, it says it in the Bible. Um, there's lots of things it says in the Bible that you don't do or believe. I can prove it to you. Man, how many guys have ever cut off your hand or your eyeball? Huh? And there's not one of you, come on, that didn't look at a woman and go, wow, God did good with that one. Cut your eye out. Or women, yeah. 
I'm just saying, man, it's just typical because we're very visual. And, and so anyway, stop beating yourself up, man. It just, you know what? When you really just start relaxing with this, you go, wow, you, you know what you're really going to desire? You're going to start desiring your wife. It's fascinating. You won't have all this lust and crazy things going around. Once you realize that you're perfectly loved and, and, and not sinner, you're, you're perfect in Christ, then you, you don't have to cut your hands off and everything else. So anyway, so don't, don't tell me that you follow the Bible literally because none of you do. They're parables. They're parables. The parables are, the story is different than what you think it's going to be. It's going to boomerang back at you like a parabola. So anyway, um, you guys get that, right? So separation really came <clears throat> from Greek philosophy. The, the a Hebrew mind never believed that we were separate from God. And scripture never says you are separate from God. It says our consciousness and our sin separated us from God, but never God from us. Does that make sense? All right. So the concept of hell being eternal torture was not accepted in doctrine until after 500 AD. So this is what Dr. Kruger got me on, to go, huh, is it, is it possible that uh, my concept of these things are not rooted in Jesus, but they're rooted in religious teaching? So who would, who would know Jesus the best, the guys who read about him in a book or the guys who actually were with him and they poured out the Spirit right afterwards, do you think? I just think it would probably be John, Polycarp, the guys who actually were with Jesus, and John mentored Polycarp, Right? And so, isn't that interesting that the first 500 years, hell was never a concept of eternal torture? It was always corrective. Meaning that, huh, and we got to get back to a Jewish mind. The Jewish mind says this, there's this age and the age to come. There's death, and then there's the life to come. That's what they believed in. There's no concept of eternal torture, so you don't have to believe me again. And so, <clears throat> anyway, and then uh, uh, you can go read the Nicene Creed, you know, where Constantine invited all these bishops from the known Christian world, and they basically got together. The first council, they, 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 uh, they developed the Nicene Creed, which um, if we have time, I'll, I'll just share that with you. But you, here's what's interesting about the Nicene Creed. Um, that was considered correct teaching in AD 325. And how many of you guys think they ever talk about hell in there? Nope. And they go, this is doctrine. And so then the evangelicals, us, we come around 2,000 years later, and, and then uh, it's really just hard for the Orthodox and people that go, hey, we, we, we follow what the apostles taught. We, taught, we follow what Apostle Paul taught. Um, Apostle Paul was the, the evangelist to who? The Gentiles primarily, but he said first the Jew, then the Gentile, right? So Apostle Paul, if he's... Um, he was the evangelist to all of us. Don't you think he would have asked us to jump in and say the magic words if he thought we were going to burn in hell for the rest of our life? You know how many times Paul talks about it? Man, what a perfect opportunity. He wrote two-thirds of the Old Testament. If that's the thing that we have to do is get people in, don't you think he'd talk about it? See, the, my logical brain started to go, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so I'm just going to go through some of these things with you, but uh, the Nicene Creed's beautiful, and really, if you go look at the first, um, uh, the, the first council, they were, they were basically combating Arianism. Arianism is this thing that, uh, and I'll go into the Greek philosophy here next on the board. Arianism is this, it's kind of the, the, the precursor of, of dualism, and, and uh, I don't want to use those words. I hate it when these theologians use these words, because um, only people who understand them are theologians. Uh, real, a better way to look at this is, Here's, here's what the Greeks thought. Um, well, I'll just do it right now. Is that, is that okay? So here's what the Greeks thought. Um, 
If you go look at Plato, Aristotle, and really almost all cultures, if they have mythology, they believe this, is here's flesh, all matter, creation, the earth, etc., and it's dirty. And that's why the Gnostics came and and said, hey, you know what, Jesus couldn't have been the Son of God, and Arianism was this, that uh, Jesus wasn't God, right? God's God, and Jesus is a creation of God that wasn't God. It can't be God because he came in the flesh, and that's what the Gnostics believe too. And that's why 1 John says, no, we touched him, we felt him, he came in the flesh, he was God. And so if you read the Nicene Creed, now you'll understand why it's so adamant about that, where it says he is God, and he's equal with God, Jesus Christ. And he's holy, set apart. That interesting? So, but the, here's what they believe. They believe flesh, all, everything you see here, creation, your body, food, drink, um, is bad, evil, and God is over here, G-O-D, right? No concept of father. In fact, the Jews wanted to kill him when he said, he's my father, right? If you go read John, and John says, hey, your own law says, it's John 10, 34, if you go look at that. He's quoting Psalm 82, 6. They said, the foundations of creation are out of whack. I said, you are Elohims, sons of God. Why are you saying I'm a blasphemer just because I'm saying I'm a son of God? When your own law says, ye are gods, go read it, and scripture cannot be broken. Barb knows that. First time I read that, I about fell out of my chair. Like Jesus just said, scripture can't be broken, and we are all Elohims. Holy smokes. What are the implications of that? Right? That means we're created in his image. We, we create like he does. We create out of our heart, our creativity, and out of the spirit. So what you see here is a result of what's in here. Isn't that interesting? So here's God, and then what Plato and the, and the Greek philosophers taught is there's these shells around the earth, and there's 55 of them, and there's ether in here, and basically God's separate from man. And God's holy over here, and he's too, too holy to look at us, us poor little sinful guys, right? And so if we're separate from God, what do we need to do? We gotta get back to him, right? So guess what religion does? You need more than that, Marthy. I heard your voice. I can't really see you, but... <laughs> so, yeah, guess what, right? We need to repent, confess, baptize. Everybody's got their different way and somehow get back in. And you got to live a really holy life and deny yourself. you got to deny yourself the earthly pleasures, you know, intimacy, sex, uh, food, drinks, etc., because that's all bad, and the only good thing is spirit. The only good thing is God, and us little losers can't get there from here. So we got to change what we do to somehow get back in. And so this doesn't look much different than any religion to me, does it? And that's what Christianity has been talking about. But guess what? This wasn't adopted anywhere or talked about. The Nicene Creed specifically rejects this whole concept. It says, no way, that's not true. But about 400 AD, Augustine came in and really was a disciple of Plato and Aristotle, this Greek mythology that you got to get back in and we're, we're not good and we're, we're dirty and somehow we got to go live a holy life and then hopefully we get back in, right? You know what I hate about that is it's... Uh, I got to get them in, and the blood is on my hands if I don't get them in, so I look at people as, like, prospects. I got to get them in. Does that make sense? And if they don't get in, then what? This is corny, isn't it? 
So it's this us versus them thing, and, and uh, that's why Christian apologetics doesn't, I could care less about it, to be honest with you, because I just know that love never fails, and I'm gonna go love this guy. So this is Greek thought. Does that kind of make sense to you? And now here's the deal. So they thought if you can't get there, then this eternal, so if we're separated, and then we, get, then we start misinterpreting the, the sheep and the goats and Lazarus and the rich man parables, etc., and we think that, oh, so, because here's what they say, and I'm, I'm going to show you what uh, the Nicene Creed says here in a minute and just what Scripture actually says. Script, the early church father said, this is heresy. So don't look at me as a heretic. The church father said, this is heresy, but, but what's been taught in all Western religion is this, is it not? He's too holy to look at you. Your sin has separated from you, etc. He's over here, and somehow you got to get back in. If you didn't say the magic words before you took your last breath, pfft, wrong trap door, right? They didn't believe that. In fact, let me read the Nicene Creed to you real quick, and then I'll show you 1 Corinthians, okay? Isn't that a bad gospel, actually? I think it is. All right, so here's the Nicene Creed. They, 8325, here's what they said. And what's interesting about this is uh, the Catholics still believe this, the Euthyronsox believe this, the Anglicans all believe this, they all accepted this creed because Constantine got all the bishops together at that time and said, what do we believe? What is, what's church teaching? And I'm going to read it to you. It says, well, different. Some, some say I, some say we, so I'm just going to read it out of this one. It says, I believe in one God, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth and all things visible and invisible. So he created all things. That's John 1. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages. You know what Scripture says? Scripture says, we were in him before the foundation of creation. Weird, isn't it? Doesn't sound like this, does it? Light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not created, of one instance with the Father. See, they were getting rid of Arianism there. where Arianism said, he's not God, Jesus is not God, he was created. So they're adamantly against this. God was begotten, not created, of one essence with the Father, through whom all things were made. For us, who for us men and our salvation came down from heaven. So he, we can't get to him. That's why scripture talks about that. He came down as flesh, right? So as he came down, um, he came down from heaven and was incarnate of the Holy Spirit, the Virgin Mary, and became a man. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate and suffered and was buried. He rose on the third day according to the scripture. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. See, that word judge, guys, is crisis, if you go look at it. And if you really, see, we think with such a Western mind, this legalistic Roman law concept that judge got to be bad. But if you go look at it in Scripture, it literally means to set things right between two parties. That's a better judgment, isn't it? And so, <clears throat> so he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom shall have no end. And in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the creator of life who proceeds from the Father, who together with the Father and Son is worshiped and glorified, who spoke to the prophets in one holy Catholic apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. They're not looking for the apocalypse and rapture, guys. You know what they're looking for? The resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. See, they believed in this age and the age to come. Interesting, isn't it? That was church doctrine. That was the, all, all the, the, the church bishops at that time said this is what is the true gospel. Isn't that interesting? All right, so let's get rid of this. Let's go to this next slide. Let's, let's see what uh, the church fathers taught. Like Athanasius taught this really closely. Um, Irenaeus taught this really closely. Gregory of Nyssa, Gregory of Nanzanias. You can go get the, watch this online and go look at those names. 
Because um, I don't want you to just trust me, because that's what I did for 40 years of my life. Oh, they're the pastor. They went to seminary. I just trust them. Well, what if their source was wrong? You guys know that the, the, the religious leaders of the day haven't had a very good track record? You guys know that? The guys who knew the Bible front to back, did they even see Jesus? No, they missed him completely because they, they were in that Bible night and day and they cannot find life because they don't know what testifies about Jesus is what Jesus said. And he's really going, guys, get out of that stupid thing. Get, stop being a bookworm and realize I'm it. I'm everything that is talking about. And I came to give you life and give it to you for free. And there was darkness and gnashing of teeth and how dare you say that that prostitute's going to heaven with me, right? You guys get it? All right, so what did, what did the early church fathers teach? They taught union, guys. They taught this. I'm gonna read this to you. So Colossians 1.13, you can also read John 1. And so Colossians 1.13 says this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of what? Darkness. We couldn't see what was true. Darkness you just can't see, Right? He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the supremacy of the son of God. <clears throat> the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him, a lot of you guys, if you read King James or etc., it'll say by him, because they're still thinking this. Hey, God created creation, and he's over there, and by God, we better get back in there. But if you go read it, the preposition, it's in, it's in. It's the, it's the Greek preposition, en. And if you wanted to say, I, I wrote a book, the book was by me, it was the Greek word dia. But go look, at, go look it up yourself, it's always in. So I'm glad this, the sun is the, in, the image of the visible God, the firstborn over all creation. This is key. Uh, how many of you guys know what, what was significant about the firstborn from a Jewish mindset? Yep, he got enough inheritance for how much of the family? All the family. See, that's why, there's, that's why they mention these things. He was the firstborn, because the firstborn got a double portion of inheritance, which was enough for all humanity. Isn't that cool? So he was the firstborn over all creation. So he got the double portion. How much did we get? Everything he got. Right? That's why it said, hey, he had to be the firstborn. So the old covenant, the, the two trees, they said, you know what? There's, if you eat from this tree, you're going to what? Die. But if you eat from this tree, you're going to live. Hey, Adam and Eve, where are you? We're over here. We're scared. Who told you that? He looked upon them. He didn't leave them. He never left them. He said, you know what? I, I'm not going to leave them in this state. Their death is going to be entrance into eternal life. He had pity on us. He goes, I'm going to let you die so that your seed, this corruptible body, dies so I can raise you again with new life into Jesus Christ. You can live without all the nonsense. Out of his mercy. Does that make sense? He goes, I'm going to preserve a way to the tree of life on the east end of the garden. I've showed you that. The, the cherubim are on the east end and the flaming sword, right? Guess what? That's where you're going to meet with me, Adam and Eve. So anyway, so he, that's why it said in the old covenant, if they go look at the concept of hell, was the, the Hebrew word what? Sheol the place of the dead, the deep, right? In Greek, it's Hades, the abyss, the dark place that we really don't understand. And it says Jesus went down there and did what? Preached to the dead, right? Hey, Lazarus and the rich man, guess what? There was a chasm there that you can't do. Nicodemus, you can't, you can't birth yourself, right? 
But the whole, the punchline of that whole parable is, but I can. I'm going to go remove the chasm so that Lazarus and the rich man are run. And he goes, I got the keys of sin and death, and I paraded captivity captive. I've got the keys of sin and death. And in the very end, it says, you know what? Death and Hades, hell, are going to be thrown into the lake of purification. What does the fire do? Purifies. You go read Revelation 10, it says, you know what? The fire and brimstone. Fire is the word pure again, where it purifies, gets rid of all the chaff, all flesh. And brimstone is from the Greek word theon. And if you go look at it, where, what does theon sound like? The root word is God, theos, the very presence of God. And it says, whatever it touches, it touches, it turns itself into itself. So doesn't that sound good? So guess what? Whatever your concept of heaven and hell is, because we believe this Greek thing, it's in the presence of the Lamb and the holy angels. It's in his presence. Now, when people go, so that makes, you saying everybody goes to heaven? I go, no, everybody's going to be in his presence. If you, don't, if you don't believe he unconditionally loves you, it's not going to feel good, Right? How many guys are really uncomfortable about people that you don't think unconditionally love you? It's uncomfortable, isn't it? But if you realize, like, man, I finally get to meet him, he's, he's perfectly... The woman caught in the act of adultery, was she afraid to meet Jesus? Yes, yeah, she was cowering, right? But what did she find? Mercy and grace. Here we see dimly, because we have a body, right? But then we shall see what? face to face, and the Spirit himself will turn us into the image. All that's the same. Isn't that interesting? So I'm not saying everybody's going to go to heaven, but everybody's going to be in the presence of the Lamb is what it says. I'm not saying that. Scripture's saying that. But we have this where we're like, that can't be because I was taught you're going to go, I'm a goat. Right? I'm not a goat because I said the magic words when I was 13. You're a goat. (laughs) Guess what? The good shepherd separated them. Hey, this one's going to need some purification over here because he still thinks I'm angry, right? I'm just telling you what the early church fathers taught. So let's read this. So this is Apostle Paul. The son in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That's critical. You wouldn't know that unless you understand Jewish writing, right? So the, the firstborn always has the double portion. It was enough for all his family. So for in him, in him, what does in him sound like? Okay, let, I, I'm going to draw this. And Dr. Wacop does a better job of this. So you can go, I just want to give you the, the highlights. And these are the cliff notes. And for some of you like me, that was enough. Lord, I can get a B plus with the cliff notes? Good. Let the other guys stay up all night. So, so here's what these guys teach. In him, so here's how he teaches it. So he goes, this is the father. Because he's a spirit and he's, it's expanding internal. The Son, just imagine three concentric rings and the Holy Spirit. In them, if you're inside of something, if a, if a, if a can of Coke is in a glass, what does it mean to you? It's in it. So let's read this. In him, all things were created. Creation's in him, not separate from him like Greek pagan thought. Does that make sense to you guys? In him is creation. Ladies, you understand this because you gave birth to something in your womb. Right? So guess what? God the Father and the Holy Spirit in their intimacy birthed what? Creation. Right? Does that make sense to you guys? So in him all things were created. And then he goes through the laundry list to make sure that he doesn't leave anything out. Things in heaven, things on earth, things that are visible, things that are invisible. Isn't that interesting? What are invisible things? 
Spirits, demonic, angels, they're in him. Creation, any created thing is in him. That's interesting. In him. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities or things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. If you look at Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You go read John 1, what does it say? He goes before the creation story. It says, in the beginning, there's something deeper than physical matter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. So Jesus was God. And the Word was pros God with him in an intimate face-to-face relationship. And he was God. And everything that's been created was created by him. So, and then Colossians, Paul tells us, and all that creation is in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In him, all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and visible, whether thrones or powers. Verse 17, he is before all things. That's John 1. He was before anything else. And in him, all things are held together. And this is why the New Agers are pretty close. The New Agers go, we're all in one spirit. I go, yeah, Paul says that too. Don't they? You know what they don't have? You know what 99% of the Christians don't have? A revelation of this that they're completely forgiven and loved and perfected already. He's in and through and holds everything, every atom in the universe. His spirit goes through it. And it says the light, in John 1, it says the light shines in the darkness. He is the light. He's the love of God. He's, he's the, uh, the consuming fire. He shines in the darkness. What we can't see is true about ourselves, our fallen mind. We, have, we ate from the wrong tree, so we have a conscience, and we think that's God, Right? So when you ever do anything bad, doesn't it convict you? That's the knowledge of good and evil. That's not God. God's trying to convict you of your righteousness. Does that make sense to you? So it says the light shined in the darkness, but the darkness didn't comprehend it. We didn't understand it. You guys understand what I'm trying to show you here? The early church fathers all believed this. They didn't believe in separation. That was a Greek pagan thought that you're separate from God and God's too holy to look at sin. They believed that everything that was created is in him. He's before everything, all things. And in him, all things are held together, right? And he is, and that's why, Joe, we talk about this a lot, quantum physics and everything else. I go, if you, if you break an atom apart, what happens? The power of God, Right? Isn't it amazing one little atom takes out Colorado Springs? That little thing. Because he's in that. Isn't that wild? You guys all know this. If you have any science, I go, an atom and a molecule should not stay together. We can't figure it out, right? Neutrons, protons, and... So some of you guys that, that hated organic or a regu- physical chemistry and physics, now you know why. Because a lot of you guys had a, a Greek thought. Like, this doesn't even make sense to me. But it makes sense to him because he holds it all together. Okay? So he's before all things. In him all things hold together. In him. That same word is in, and It's the preposition and In him. Not separate from him. You guys getting my point? This, because we didn't realize that all creation's in him, through him, and held together by him, what do we do? We got to make a way to get back to him. And I says, you don't have to believe me. Please go read these early church fathers. Because this is what they taught, and they were adamant about it. Mother, these guys were martyred for this. They go, we will not back down to this. Because you guys are saying we got to get in, and we're separate from God, and we're going, no, all creation's in. He's in and through and holds all things. So he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Okay, next slide. 
Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. He's talking about Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself how many things? All things. Then he goes through his laundry list again to make sure, well, he can't certainly mean that. No, all creation is in him. Things that are visible, things that are invisible. Whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on his cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies, where? Did God alienate you and separate? Where were we enemies? In our conscience, guys. We ate from the wrong tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Our minds are, are right? We believe the wrong thing about ourselves. And we covered that last week where with the woman caught in the act of adultery, he said, you know what? I didn't come to judge you. I came to what? Save you. Now go and sin no more. See, he said it. That word sin is hamartia. It means never believe the wrong thing about yourself ever again. You were a son of God. You've always been a son of God. I've always perfectly loved you, and I perfectly love you now. I'm not in the accusing business. I'm not in the judging business. I am salvation. I'm restoration. I'm life. I'm the redeemer. I'm all of that. But you think I'm mad at you, so you go hide in the weeds and try to get holy yourself, and you can't do it. Does that make sense? Is this making sense to you guys? Once you get this, honestly, all scripture starts to come together. At least it did for me in the last six months ago. Oh, God, yes. That's beautiful. That's such a better gospel, right? So, but now, once you were alienated, verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, you thought your sin separated you from God. He goes, that's not me. That's your conscience telling you that, and that's Greek philosophy, and that's what he was telling Timothy. Timothy, don't dabble with philosophy, and these vain teachings that these guys are all puffed up, they think they know about devils and casting out devils and spirits and there's a something spirit over Colorado Springs. Would you just stop with your stuff? It's under my feet. And, right? Sit down and have a glass of wine with me and enjoy life, man. So, no, I'm a prophet. You're a prophet, prophet. <laughs> they don't know this. They're trying to get everybody in. Right? So, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Isn't that beautiful? So, when I, this is where, when, when I heard this from Dr. Kruger the first time, my spirit leapt. And uh, I was like, this can't be true at first. So my heart and my head were just, gosh, just whacked out and going, I've been taught my whole life that I got to get him in. And yet, it would always be a mystery to me because I'm like, how do my, how, do my, how are my friends that didn't say the magic words. They don't go to church. They don't read their Bible. They look a lot happier than me. What's with that? And you know what? When they see a sinner, they can have compassion on them, and I'm angry at them. What's with that? And then they're going, these guys look a lot more friendly. You guys look like you're angry Christians, and we are, because if, we're, if we still think we have to get in, the works of the flesh, the fallen mind is really what that flesh means, it's not sin, sexual sins and all these things. Oh, you're in the flesh. It has nothing to do with that. The flesh literally means our fallen state of mind, our consciousness. And he goes, we should have no more conscience of falling short of sin once you realize what this blood did. You guys get all that? But if we don't know that, guess what we're going to do? We're going to work our little tails off to try to get from separation into him. And we're going to repent, pray fast, read our Bible more, pray in the spirit more, get more people in so I can get a merit badge when I get to heaven. All these different things. It has nothing to do with that. And so when I heard him say this, he goes, the gospel is not that you can get people, that you can accept them into your heart. 
He's holding your heart together. So I'm not accepting him into my heart that we were, doesn't that sound like separation? That's why we get this stuff, right? The truth was he's holding my heart together and when I finally can see light, do I have a salvation experience? Yes. It's something happens, I agree. I start to experience life. And that's what my friend Ray, first time in his life, he's like, I feel so free in Denny's. He picked Denny's, I didn't, so. Uh, nothing wrong with Denny's, I guess, but it's a cat we were talking about. That was good for me in college at 2 a.m., but not, not really now. So anyway. Um, we're not separated. So the gospel is not, hey, if you say these magic words, isn't that weird? See, I would rather, I would rather have a lifestyle evangelism because the gospel is so good that you can finally see life start to spring out of them. They start to experience peace for their first time in their life. They're completely forgiven. He's removed sin as far as the east is from the west and he loves them perfectly and all he's doing in the new covenant, the, this, the priest of Melchizedek had no if then. The priest of Melchizedek is bless God and bless you. There was no curse attached to it. There's no flow. There's no flow of his divine provision being cut off. There's no ifs. It was yes and amen in Melchizedek and Jesus Christ. Isn't that a better gospel? Well, what about hell? I go, whatever your concept is, it's going to be in the presence of the Lamb and the holy angels. You're going to meet Jesus Christ, who never changes, who had compassion on every sinner, that he said, come boldly to the throne, because the stone's been thrown away, the law's been rolled away, and you're going to experience, when you meet him, what's going to happen? You're going to find mercy and grace at his throne. Isn't that beautiful? That's a better gospel to me. Now, does the, does the church, do the people know that? So people go, well, I, don't, I don't know if I should evangelize. Yes, you should evangelize. You should tell them the gospel of reconciliation is what Romans says. Hey, be ambassadors for me. Share the message of reconciliation. Do you ever find Paul asking them to say the magic words and accept Jesus into their heart? No. Isn't that weird? He was the greatest evangelist of the Gentiles ever. We should learn from him, right? What did he do? He said, you're in. You're completely forgiven. You never have to worry about me because I'm the same yesterday and today and forever. I am salvation, I am life, and I'm gonna give you my spirit of that says daddy, that I can have a relationship with the father now, not a holy God that I can't touch. Does that make sense to you guys? Does that help at all? That's it. So what do you have to worry about? Nothing. There's finally a rest. That's what I love when I talk to the heathens or the, the really wrapped up Christians that they go nuts actually. They start to get, have mental challenges. And if that's you, I'm not jocking you. Like even if you listen to Joseph Prince, he thought he had committed the unforgivable sin. And if you really look at that, if you understand it, he goes, this won't be acceptable. This is gonna have to be created because they can never have a loving relationship with me in this condition. Now, while if he's removed sin as far as the east and from the west, is there any unforgivable one in your, like how you think of it? No, no. No, well, he keeps no record of wrong. What he's really saying there is he goes, this distorted view won't work in heaven. I'm gonna have to clean this person up as through the fire because there's no way that I'm gonna allow my kids to ever have a, a marriage relationship with me in this condition. I would hate to have a marriage relationship with my wife where she's afraid of me. No weird? Honey, or else. Otherwise, we're gonna go to deliverance and cast Jezebel out of you one more time. Good luck, whoever said that exactly right. It's so much better to go, man, he who's been forgiven much loves much. 
man, if you keep no record wrong of me, and I know I'm completely loved and completely blessed, I can expect your blessing in every situation, even when I mess up. That gives me some peace. Does that make sense? And I can finally feel loved, and then it's an expression. It's rivers of living water coming out of me where I love her, and I want to be intimate with her, not separate and pray in our closet and don't eat. I want to enjoy life and life more abundantly because guess, guess what? Eating, drinking, all these pleasures that he's given us earthly, they're not dirty, guys. Those are things from him. Does that make sense? And once you get it that it's not dirty, you can actually enjoy it and you won't be weird. You won't need an accountability partner. You won't because it says his grace, his goodness, when you realize he doesn't turn off the blessing, you know what happens? The fleshly desires start to fade away and you're not stirred up by every other thing. You're just not. It's fascinating. It, it literally goes away. Does this help? Yes. So we'll, we'll talk about more like uh, Gregory of Nisa and really start getting into some of the deep, deep stuff. But this is the biggie, guys. You're not separate from him because separation teaches all the religious things to get back into him. And the truth was what the founding fathers of the church said, you were never separated from him. All creations in him, through him, held together by him. So do we go share the good news? Yes, because they don't know the good news. They're still trying to get in. Most Christians are still trying to get in and try to be holy by their own works. You know what's going to happen if you don't know you're already holy and you're going to try to do it by works? Galatians 5, anger, murder, strife, all these things. But the fruit of the Spirit is peace, love, self-control. You start to enjoy life. Does that help? So you can get to your feet. You're completely loved. You're completely forgiven. We doing okay? Yeah. Anybody want to throw stones at me yet? Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Reg, did you find yourself yet? <laughs> I, I can't say what you said to your... Uh... <laughs> I won't say the word, but he texts me. It was so funny. He goes, I asked Alexa, right? Go find his butt. And it said, your butt is at home. <laughs> but it said a different word. That's just too funny. So uh, that's just classic to me. <laughs> if that's not funny, come on, right? That means you're still separated from God and you've got to be holy to get yourself back in. Hey, he laughs at those jokes too because we're in him, amen? So anyways, this helped though. Yes. Guys, you don't have anything to worry about. You're going to meet Jesus Christ. All will appear before him. Amen? And we're already in him. That's the amazing part. So the good news is not getting them in. We need to still evangelize, guys, because guess what? Unless we know, if the world doesn't know they're already forgiven and in Christ, you know what's going to happen? Anger, murder, strife, everything that we see in the world going on today, because there's no peace. Their fear of everything. If somebody might have more than me, and fear, he's got enough for everybody. We're, he was the firstborn. He's got enough inheritance for every one of you. There's no lack. There's none, none of that. There's no fear of less. He's got enough for all of us. Amen? His, his, his grace knows how many bounds? No bounds. No bounds. Isn't that beautiful? All right. So, uh, hopefully that helps. And we'll, we'll get into a little more meat next week. But this is the biggie, guys. If you can finally get that all are in him, we're not trying to jump in and run through hoops to, to get born again. He died for our sins and iniquities. On the third day, he rose. If creation's in him, that's what it says. God was in Christ reconciling the world from him. Right? God was in Christ. Weren't we taught that 
the father separate from Jesus and thank God for Jesus because all his penalties and sins would poured out on Jesus and he turned his back on Jesus on the cross. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are, are this is what the, the first church council in AD 325 said, impossible. God was in Christ reconciling the creation to himself. That was God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus hanging on that cross. He never left him. He never loves us because that's not a good husband if he can leave, right? And divorce us, never. He'll never do it. So the greatest sin that man could ever commit was killing him, and what does Jesus say? Forgive them. Father, forgive them. He'll never change that, guys. All he's gonna do is pour out blessings. So he died for our our iniquities. He rose for our justification. And we are in him. That's why Ephesians, Philippians, it says, you know what, we are seated far above all every other principle in him. Doesn't it say it? We're in there. It's not running around chasing demons over Colorado Springs, guys. We're in there. He led captivity captive. He said, now is the prince of this era judge. That was 2,000 years ago. Now, we don't need to keep judging them. Does that make sense? So, this, so hopefully that helps. So if you need prayer, come on up here, guys. But uh, you're in him. You're perfectly secure. You're perfectly righteous. You're perfectly holy. And start to believe you're worthy to be blessed. You're valued. You're in him. He was the firstborn son, and he's got enough for everything you're ever going to need. Your joy, your provision, your everything. And it's not based on your goody two-shoes ability to... It's based on him and him alone, right? So Father, we love you, we praise you, just, you know what, just let that stir up in their heart so they can finally see light. First time in their life for a lot of these people, they've been doing everything, guys. They're in your word, they're praying, they're fasting, they cannot find life because they didn't realize it's already complete and finished in him. Let them rest into his perfect work and his provision, his joy, his righteousness, Father, radically bless them. Radically know, let them know that they're radically, perfectly forgiven. Everything they're ever going to do, even 30 years from now, is removed as far as the east is from the west. They're seated in you. They're a son, and you're well-pleased with them right now. The dirtiest, darkest part of their lives that they don't want to share with you, they're still sons, and you're well-pleased with them. That's who you are. That's how amazing your, your forgiveness is. We just say thank you. Father, supernaturally bless them, restore relationships, supernaturally bless their businesses, Everything they put their hand to, supernaturally blessed this week. Every promise that they can think of, if they're ever doubting it, you're the faithful one. It's yes and amen in you. So radically bless them this week. In Jesus' magnificent name, amen, amen, amen.